Neil Young wrote a song to his motorcycle. Still waiting is the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. The podcast that marks its territory went out for a walk. He spent hours trying to pick up the bucket he was standing in. Medicare expert, Doug Jones. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to another thrill-packed, exciting episode of the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. As Drew McMillan, my Canadian nephew, said, this is Doug Jones, your Medicare expert. I'm going to be your Medicare expert all week, so I hope you stop by a couple more times as uh, our podcast episodes continue to pile up on the podcast host that we have uh, hired. It's uh, it's getting to be quite a large stack, and we haven't lost our enjoyment. Uh, when I say we, I'm talking about Randy Carson, who I'll introduce later on, but um, he and I enjoy the podcast creation process, and we just haven't gotten sick of it after two and a half years. So we march forward into the future. Anyway, I am here to help people feel comfortable about that transition from Obamacare to Medicare. And I do that by virtue of the fact that I can say with confidence that almost anyone can successfully uh, negotiate the uh, transition and come out the other side smelling like a rose, kind of like falling into a pile of manure and coming out smelling like a rose or with a golden doubloon that you might have found while you were wallowing around. I like to say that uh, anybody can negotiate Medicare. Sometimes it takes a little bit of information that we don't have, we're not born with. Other times it's uh, necessary to have exceptional advice. When I say exceptional, I mean the kind of advice you'd get from a Medicare expert, and Medicare experts don't grow on trees. So if you're lucky enough to find an honest Medicare expert that has your best interests at heart, then you're going to be uh, very pleased with the rest of your time under Medicare because you will have made good choices. Now, how does one gather this knowledge or how does one recognize a competent expert? Well, in my case, I wrote a book called Medicare for the Lazy Man, and it is on sale in two different places online. It's barnesandnoble.com. We've got the nice paperback available if you don't want to give any money to Amazon, or if like 99% of the people, you do go to Amazon to buy things, look for Medicare for the Lazy Man, and you'll find the 2022 version with big green numbers on the cover. It will be the book that is uh, offered in four different editions. It's got a paperback as described. It's got a hardcover edition available. It's got an audible if you want to have somebody talk to you. And it has a, a Kindle version. If you've got a Kindle, you want the by far the least expensive edition. That's uh, $3.80 to get all of my Medicare wisdom in uh, electronic form that you can enjoy and then delete when you've uh, turned 65 or whatever and gone on to Medicare. So I believe sincerely that if you buy my book, 
or steal it. Maybe if you could shoplift it from Amazon, I would suggest that you do that. But uh, in any event, when you finish the book, I believe that you will know more about Medicare than almost anybody else your age in the United States of America. How do I know that? Because I have many, many satisfied clients who now can talk to me in my own Medicare lingo. So moving ahead, we have uh, a 30-second radio spot that I ask Randy to play periodically, and I'm going to ask him to play it right now. He'll know when the time comes because I'm going to stop yakking and listen for the dulcet tones of my talking and the Rolling Stones playing. Medicare is complicated. Medicare can be confusing. Medicare is no fun to study. Will you know what decisions to make when Medicare time arrives for you? My name is Doug Jones, and I wrote a book to help you figure it all out. Medicare for the Lazy Man. It's on sale at Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com. Also, you can download and listen to my podcast, Medicare for the Lazy Man, wherever fine podcasts are given away free of charge. Medicare for the Lazy Man, simplest and easiest guide ever. Okay. Well, thank you, Randy. I appreciate that as always. And I see that you're uh, all uh, decked out and ready to go today. You haven't had a haircut in quite some time, so you're looking good. We both hate going through the haircut process. So it looks as though you're uh, having a good day. The sun's out. Uh, Anything to complain about today at all? Absolutely nothing. Ah, boy. Well, I got to tell you, we're having a bad day around the Jones house. Uh, it was brought to my attention kind of late last night. We we're watching something on television and, and the thought was thrown out that I might've made a, a faux pas. I might have actually overlooked one of the husbands, uh, one of the husbandly duties that I'm supposed to uh, engage in. And I actually had to go out and fulfill that husbandly duty right then. Uh, apparently I let the water softener run out of salt and, <laughs> She said, you know, your hair is looking like crap lately. And, uh, and I said, really? I was <laughs> going to let you get by. I was going to let you get by for another two weeks with your hair. But now that you let us run out of salt and we can't, and you know, people that don't know Arizona, they don't know that the water in Arizona, it, you have to have a soft water machine. Otherwise it won't even come out of the faucet. Yeah. It's really uh, very minerally. If you uh, were able to separate the precious minerals, you might make a living out of it, but otherwise. So anyway, apparently the effect of having no salt in your water softener is even more pronounced if you happen to be a bottle blonde. And uh, Oh, yeah. So that's why I did. And I didn't get early warning. I said, well, why in the heck don't you tell me these things ahead of time? So that because right now the pipes in the house are all full of unsoftened water. So, yeah. So her answer to that would have been, well, can't you see my hair's turning green? Exactly right. I'm supposed to notice this in spite of my lack of experience with green hair or, you know, hair, that lady's hair of any kind, really. So, yes, it was <laughs> it was a, kind of a come to Jesus moment in the Jones house. And theoretically, so um, how long did it take you to get to the store and come back with some water softener salt? We had this conversation at 9.30 last night. There was no way I was going to go to the store, or even she. <laughs> she she will go to the store and sashay around and sweet-talk these guys, these old retired guys, into loading salt into her car. And she's so successful at doing yeah. that, I don't even I don't even go. And so... No, I know. I know exactly how that works. Eventually, her car will be sitting in the driveway with 
about 400 pounds of salt in it. And uh, I will be <laughs> then faced with the prospect of having to drag it into the garage. And So was the, are these the times that you've considered putting overload springs on her Jeep? No, because it. I'm just so grateful that uh, she goes to get the salt. And with just two of us in the house, most of the time, it doesn't go away that quickly. So I usually don't have her getting that much salt at one time. Usually it's a fairly small quantity because I like to stay ahead of the game. I like to keep the water softener salt or brine tank, I guess you call it. I like to keep yeah. the salt level up pretty high on that thing. So yeah, typically yeah. I would say, hey, get a couple of bags if you want, and uh, uh, I'll pick up a light bulb and, you know, some, and I used to say in some cigarettes and whatever, and, um, don't say that anymore. But uh, now she's going to be making a major, I, she's going to need the helper springs today. Well, you know, if you hear somebody backing into your driveway and there, and there's that backup warning uh-huh. beep 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 you yeah. know that you're in trouble because she bought a thousand pounds and it's coming in right now and and she's also uh ordered delivery because her car does not have a backup warning so it'll be a truck <laughs> that she hired to do that uh, I will say, though, that um, there is, once I get the salt in the uh, water tank or in the brine tank, there is supposed to be a way that I can tell it to regenerate right now. There's a button to push or some way to trick it into thinking it's time to regenerate. I have no idea how to do that. So we may be having mm. ugly hair for quite some time before it decides <laughs> to regenerate because it's already it's always set to do it at two o'clock in the morning after a certain amount of water has gone through the system. Right. So right. it measures yeah. the water usage and then it waits until two o'clock the following morning. So maybe I, I have to leave a faucet on or something, you know, for a couple of days. You need to go find the trick it the trick it button. Yeah, that means getting out the instruction manual and reading all the badly translated Chinese. (laughs) I'm not sure I'm up for that. Maybe after a couple of drinks tonight. There you go. Well, you know something? While we were uh, jawjacking before we got started with the recording, I did a little bit of looking around. You know, I always like to try to add something new and, you know, kind of exciting and kind of interesting to the front end of the podcast. Not that the podcast isn't that, but we we cover the same topics a lot of times. But this sure. is a topic that's totally off topic. But I thought it was just a really cool bit of information. Well, lay it on me. Now, normally I would phrase this in the context of a stump the insurance expert. Yeah, you know, I, I'm stumped every time you start this process. So, but I'm, you know I'm not going to. I'm not going to. All right. So t- today in 1979, I didn't know this, but now I do, okay. was the first recorded instance of a comet, the Howard Kumur Michaels Comet, hitting the sun. Really? The, the energy released was equal to approximately one million hydrogen bombs. And a hydrogen bomb is much more powerful than our puny little uh, atomic bombs that we dropped on Japan. Yeah. The Japanese didn't know how lucky they were that we hadn't invented hydrogen bomb technology by that time. That's exactly right. So I got one more little bit of information for folks. Okay, because that one has no, I'm not dredging up any recollection of that happening. No, I I never heard about it. Uh, I know 
that uh, must have been exciting because somebody kept track of it. But ultimately, here's one more bit of information for you, and then we will get we will get to going on the main topic for today, which is the Medicare for the lazy man stuff. Alrighty, well, lay that one on us too. 1983, the Eiffel Tower welcomed its 150th million visitor. And her name was Jacqueline Martinez. She was a 33-year-old Parisian. Where'd she get the last name Martinez? I have to ask you that because Jacqueline sounds Frenchy. Martinez sounds decidedly Hispanic. I have no idea. It must have been. I I just have no clue. I just have no clue. Well, congratulations to Jacqueline. She's probably still with us. This is not. Oh yeah, nineteen eighty-three. I I would think she'd still be with us. Like it was like yesterday to most of us. Uh, Yeah. Going back to the nineteen seventy-nine episode of the comet hitting the sun, January of nineteen seventy-nine was the worst winter in the history of uh, weather statistics in Illinois. We had a major. Uh, winter blizzard on New Year's Eve. No, actually, what we had was a rainstorm on New Year's Eve, and that turned into a blizzard with something over 20 inches of snow. But the rainstorm left about an inch of black ice on every hard surface in Illinois, and that stayed for over a month. And uh, then in the middle of the month of January, we had another blizzard with something around 20, 22 inches of snow. And then towards the end of January, there was a third blizzard with over 20 inches of snow. And at least where I was. And uh, it was was just a god-awful nightmare. There were three different times we were trapped because we had a driveway that was a mile long excuse me, half a mile long. And uh, it was all downhill. When you were coming to our place, you'd turn into our driveway from the road and then you would go downhill into a a ravine and then up a smaller hill and then cross the creek over a bridge. And then you'd come to the uh, area of the property where all the buildings and stuff were. And boy, I had nothing but a farm tractor uh, to plow with. And so mm-hmm. my, my parents for my birthday gave me a snowmobile suit <laughs> today. I would have hired a guy to do all the plowing for us, but I had a snowmobile suit and I was going to wear uh, goggles and a ski mask, except that when you breathe in a ski mask outside with goggles on the goggles, get all steamed up. Mm-hmm. So I, I was still had areas of my body that were exposed to the frigid weather. The next year I went out and bought a Jeep. And uh, that Jeep was a like a lifesaver, man. I'll tell you right now. Oh, it was, yeah. Because it had heat and it had rock and roll music. And those were the two things that I enjoyed most while I was plowing snow. Makes makes a perfect combination. Oh, makes it absolutely perfect. So let's go ahead and get on to the topic that be today, which is I see by the uh, podcast script. That we are going to talk about. He's staring at it because he can't believe what he's reading. It's I'm, it's I'm, uh it's something. Is this from Harvard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what they say. You know, who knows really? But at the top of the uh, publication, it says Harvard Women's Health Watch. And Randy is going, "What the heck is Jones up to now?" Jeez. <laughs> but uh, you know, I I read one article from this thing, and then I started thinking, where did I get it? 
And I think I know where I got it. You might remember Clarence, who came to join us uh, for an episode a while back, uh, our first podcast guest ever. And we're going to have another one at some point because uh, he's got a lot to talk about. This would be my friend Roy. Uh, so he's going to be joining us at some point. But Clarence came to talk about many things not actually related to Medicare, as it turns out, but he also gets, he subscribes to all these health publications. So it's entirely possible that he has a subscription to the Harvard Women's Health Watch. So in one recent podcast episode, I uh, talked about the annual physical being reimagined. Apparently technology and uh, priorities of the medical community are changing what happens during the uh, the typical physical exam that people go through. And so I got that from this publication, and I was going to toss this thing, and I thought, what the heck? You know, we've got women in the audience, I hope, and we have um, uh, a growing audience, so that means the possibility of more women. So maybe there are women-oriented articles that I could um, share with the audience that uh, they would find interesting, if not helpful. So the first one I trip across is a column in this publication, Harvard Women's Health Watch, called Ask the Doctors. And uh, these are two female doctors. And, you know, they're one's in her scrubs, one's in a lab coat. Uh, it's like a, an advertising guy posed them for this picture. But uh, the question, the burning issue that they tackle today is, why does my eyelid twitch? So a woman, uh, a person, I assume a woman, wrote in, Randy's, Randy's got his microphone off, thank goodness, otherwise you'd be hearing the editorial laughter. Um, somebody wrote in and said, why, uh, sometimes my eyelid spasms without any obvious reason. Why does this happen? Well, the answer from the two lady doctors is, don't be alarmed. Almost everyone experiences eye twitches, uncontrollable movements in the upper or lower eyelid at some point. These tiny little muscle spasms don't hurt, and they tend to go away on their own. But when they happen, it's typically a signal of minor physical or mental stress. Twitch triggers can include feeling tired. Oh, boy, I could use a nap right now. Consuming caffeine. I happen to be drinking hot tea right now. Feeling anxious or irritated. Eh, my water softener needs attention. Drinking alcohol which I do most evenings, smoking, which I used to do, and looking at bright lights, which uh, the Arizona sun is shining through the windows of my office here in the uh, the uh, Fortress of Solitude in Cave Creek, Arizona. I've got most of the risk factors for this twitching eyelid syndrome, but yet it's not happening to me. So anyway, sometimes the effects of stress pile up all at once, such as when a work deadline causes you to lose sleep and bam, your eyelid dances to an unheard drummer. If you're really bothered by it, you can usually help calm a twitchy eye with warm compress, a good night's sleep, or a stress-busting activity such as exercise. You can also cut back on alcohol. Ugh, that didn't sound like any fun. Quit smoking. Too late for that. Uh, wear sunglasses when you're exposed to bright light. Very rarely, eye twitching signals a condition such as Parkinson's disease, Bell's palsy, or multiple sclerosis. If one or both eyes close involuntarily with each spasm, or if other muscles in your face seem to be involved, 
see your doctor. All righty. So um, here's another little article. I thought maybe somebody in the audience, one person out there has to find this interesting. Can stress trigger hiccups? And the question is, annoyingly, I seem to get the hiccups when I'm tense, nervous, or surprised. What's the link? And I'm starting to suspect these lady doctors are making up their own questions. Anyway, the answer is hiccups are one of those unwelcome visitors that always make us stop and wonder where they came from. Often these spasms of our diaphragm, the muscles separating the chest and the belly, are traceable to swallowing air while eating, chewing gum, drinking fizzy beverages, or taking certain medications. But it's true that stressful or emotional events can bring on these bothersome uh, hicks. The diaphragm is partly regulated by the phrenetic nerve, phrenic, P-H-R-E-N-I-C, phrenic nerve, which relays information from the brain to the diaphragm muscle to help control breathing. Hiccups occur when a sudden bit of nervousness, fright, or shock irritates this nerve, causing your diaphragm to spasm. Hiccups stemming from emotional triggers usually don't last long, three minutes to a few hours at most. You can try to stop them more quickly by holding your breath for five to ten seconds, breathing into a paper bag, sipping ice water, biting into a lemon, or looking at Randy. Ah, okay. That that could be considered a cure in some circles. So um, I've uh, I've had people look at me and it, it cured their hiccups just like that. There you go. That's uh, probably uh, along with stress reduction and uh, eyelid uh, uh, twitching is uh, going to be cured by the same thing. Anyway, thanks for uh, curing my hiccups there, Randy. I appreciate it. You're tips. absolutely welcome. Here are tips for getting accurate blood pressure readings. Apparently, women are prone to inaccurate blood pressure readings. Tracking blood pressure at home is useless if your device can't provide accurate readings. Yet fewer than one in five of the nearly 4,000 versions of home blood pressure monitors. There are 4,000 versions of home blood pressure monitors available worldwide. Ah, boy, who would have thunk? Have uh, Anyway, fewer than one in five, 20% of those have been verified as accurate, according to some doctor uh, who is a primary care physician at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center and clinical director of the hospital's hypertension center. But there's a way to cover your bases. Bring your blood pressure monitor to your doctor's office to calibrate it. Your doctor or an assistant will watch you take your blood pressure and compare your result to the measurement from an office machine. As long as these readings are fairly close, you can feel confident that your home monitor and your technique are acceptable. This is sometimes called validating your home blood pressure monitor. This doctor also suggests ways to ensure accurate readings. Use a monitor with an automatically inflating cuff for the upper arm. Doctors uh, or devices used on the wrist or finger are less reliable. Also, make sure the cuff is the correct size for your arm. Place the cuff over your bare upper arm, not a shirt sleeve. Wait 30 to 60 minutes after eating or exercising to avoid falsely high readings. Sit with your back supported in a firm chair, your feet flat on the floor, and your arms resting on a table or other surface at the level of your heart. And finally, take readings twice a day, morning and evening. 
before you take any medications. Repeat twice each time within five minutes of uh, each uh, attempt. Okay, so finally, we get to the back page of this thing, and uh, we maybe we ought to skip the back page for now because I see that <laughs> the old clock on the wall is showing that we have uh, we're in danger of exceeding our uh, target time limit. What do you think about that, Randy? How much time do you show on the old clock on the wall? Uh, we're out. Okay, there you go. There you go. Well, at least the Harvard Women's Health Watch has uh, provided us for some content today that I'm hoping that some of the other the listeners will find interesting and helpful, maybe. Yeah, but I did have one question for you, Doug. Mm-hmm. You catch me right when I'm drinking my tea, so <laughs> ask away. When you're taking your blood pressure... Mm -hmm. which hand do you hold your Guinness in? Well, I hold it in my left hand because I'm busy with the cuff, you know, on my right hand, getting that cuff around my bare upper arm as suggested in the article. So my Guinness is being held in my left hand. And then while the machine is working, I can take the the container of Guinness and into my right hand and uh, swill a few mouthfuls. Perfect. Perfect. Absolutely. how would you do it? Is your technique any different than that? That that would be very similar, very similar to what I would do. Yeah, I've I've had different types of monitors, you know, like you talked about in the article. Uh-huh. The little the little wrist dealy. Yep. Nah, not so much. Yeah. The little fing- the little finger dealy, even yep. less, not so oh, much. Oh yeah, yeah, it's got to be garbage. Now I've got one that you know it looks like it's. I mean, obviously it's not a real office version, but it's got the cuff over your upper arm with uh-huh, the automatic uh-huh. inflation. Yep. My only complaint about it is the first time I used it, uh-huh. it it pinched off my arm and my arm turned black, and it took about a week to get over it. Well, if yours is anything like mine, there's a setting. You probably got it on max. (laughs) (laughs) And you probably want to scale that back. And I think the uh, goal is there are numbers on the setting I have on the little slide. And you want to have it about 20 points higher than you expect your upper number to be. Okay. I'm going to have to check that because I swear you could have strangled an elephant with this thing. Well, I noticed that your arm was uh, swollen and your hand was, it looked like a cartoon character's hand. I know, you know? it's like Pop, Popeye with no spinach. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, try that. Try adjusting the uh, the uh, pressure. I'm going to try that. Well, you know, we are out of time, but there's a couple, three things we need to take care of. We always do. I want you to send questions to Doug things we haven't touched on for a long time or things we haven't touched on ever. I I imagine there are such things. And you can send him questions to dbj at mlmmailbag.com. Don't forget to go to amazon.com and buy your several copies of the uh, Amazon. Basically, at Amazon, you can get several versions of the book, but buy several copies of Medicare for the Lazy Man easiest and simplest guide ever the 2022 version with green numbers or you can get his audio which he will read it to you so you can lay back in your easy chair or however you want to do it and listen to dog 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 (laughs) (laughs) close enough close enough doug it's doug 
uh, listen to Doug reading you the book, or you can get a Kindle version, which is obviously an electronic version. So any one or multiple copies of those in any combination will do you well. It'll be the best money you ever spent. So we are going to say goodbye today. So thank you for joining us. As always, we appreciate your attendance. And we didn't have, you know, today we didn't have to shush anybody. Nope. Everybody was very well behaved. Very well behaved, very quiet, very respectful. And we are going to sign off today. You have just spent, as you may know, about 32 and a half minutes with Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance guy from Oklahoma, now residing in Cave Creek, Arizona, up in the high mountains behind the city, probably about 14,000 feet today. I've got a nosebleed. I know, I know. Bye-bye.